1: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well,
2: good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. This morning, we have a very special guest and friend of mine. Don Arnautz, who is a senior partner at the Arnouts Group. He is honored by executives and colleagues around the world as an outstanding executive coach and management consultant. He's an author and a speaker, and he really offers game-changing leaders the opportunity to go deeper into their role as leaders. And I am honored to know this gentleman. Don, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Cheryl. My pleasure.
2: It's so great to have you here. I'm glad we could do this today. So, where are you today?
3: I am in lovely Newburyport, Massachusetts. It's a little coastal town just 35 miles north of Boston. And I'm sitting here looking out the windows of my home office at a just gorgeous flaming red maple tree. This is my favorite season in, in uh, New England.
2: Ah, yeah, it is really beautiful there this time of year. Of course, it's beautiful all all year long, but there's something so magical about the fall and the autumn season. You know, uh, it makes me think about um, how we as individuals and certainly leaders in their roles uh, in the maturity of their leadership go through different stages. And I'm wondering if you had any thoughts about What would an autumn stage in leadership be like?
3: Mm -hmm. Depends entirely on your attitude towards winter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things I think about, uh, I love your question, Cheryl. One of the things I think about with autumn, you know, as I go to the farmer's market uh, here on Sunday mornings is it's harvest time. So you know, after spring planting and you know tilling during the summer, you know, so to speak, I think you know harvest time. Uh, there's a harvest time for leaders too. You know, where leaders uh, uh, you you can look at a the, the cycle of a company. You can look at the cycle of a career. And and people sow and plant and grow and um, and then it's a time to to reap the benefit of, of all that effort, all that work. And uh, you know, however however long or short those those cycles are uh, for people, sometimes they can be con- contained within a particular project. Um, my work as an executive coach has often been to help. People through the arc of their careers, um, and these days it's, it's common for many leaders to have multiple careers. Uh, so they, you know, they can harvest career one and, and take the fruit uh, uh, and bounty of that career into a follow-on career.
2: Mm. So I love how you said, um, you know, that that we have many careers, and you said that when I asked the question initially that one's view of their role of autumn in leadership would have a whole lot to do with how they viewed winter. And that relates to something that is very important in your work. You talk a lot about mood and how people assign meaning. To experiences and to potential. And out of that, you have developed a project called the Exuberance Project. And that you define that as as a movement. This shift yes. food and energy of our time from fear to exuberance. And so so if we apply that to the the initial questions like so do I fear winter or do I am I excited <laughs> about it, right? Um but exactly. talk a bit about the, the exuberance project and you know, what is
3: this? Well it's uh, you know it's it, it's really on a very personal level uh, it's a calling for me at this point in my career, you know, after 30 some years as a leadership coach and management consultant and entrepreneur myself. Um, just a couple of years ago, I, you know, I, I had come through a health crisis and, and uh, I really was praying that if I make it through this crisis, you know, God help me see what's the best use of me next. And, you know, it literally came to me in a conversation over a dinner with a with a, a colleague and friend that my next thing to do was help people come alive just the way I had experienced coming alive um, through my journey with cancer. And that quickly became a, a much bigger thing where I saw that uh, it wasn't just individual by individual, but. Really, at the level of a of a society we we, in my view, had become just immersed in in daily you know a daily dose of fear that uh, was affecting the quality of how we raise our kids, was affecting the quality of of the workplace was certainly affecting the quality of our politics, and so I thought, at that level, I really want to make a contribution because to me. Fear has its use in terms of, you know, it gets us out of the burning building, but in terms of getting anything done together, in terms of trusting each other across um, a variety of viewpoints politics and politics and linking hands to solve big problems, fear just doesn't work. You know, it's not the mood we would choose. And so the the, the word that came to me, you know, to describe the mood that really embraces life, was exuberance, so that was really the genesis of, of this thing that I'm now calling the Exuberance Project.
2: And so, you know, the word exuberance, I'm sure, um, has a charge on it for many people, and, ha- and it has many different interpretations. Mm-hmm. Exuberance could be viewed in some ways as almost trite, right? You know, it seems a little bit too hype a little bit too um, cheerleader kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Was it on purpose? Did you use, use that word, exuberance, on purpose?
3: <laughs> it's it, You know, I've had this conversation with colleagues of mine who who have suggested many other words, and... You know, my answer to them is, you know, this word actually chose me. <laughs> I, uh, I really, I can't get rid of it. And then uh, the, more I look, the more I looked into it, Cheryl, um, uh, yes, it has that uh, popular interpretation. And, in fact, it wasn't so long ago, Alan Greenspan in, in economics was warning us about irrational exuberance, you know, when it came to the stock yes. market. Yes. But exuberance, uh, to me, is... Uh, Is Actually, it's an old word, and it's a deep word in the sense that um, it is, um, I I would say, a close relation to joy and happiness, Mm -hmm. but with more energy. You know, exuberance is something you don't keep to yourself. Mm -hmm. I can actually be joyful on my own, uh, but exuberance is, it just spills, um, and it's the kind of mood that I believe is uh, essential to opening people up, into engaging people uh, beyond their comfort zones, beyond their boundaries, and and in that sense, uh, it makes you know creative effort and innovation uh, more more possible. So. I do sometimes, as you asked, have to, you know work with people to deepen their appreciation of of what uh, what we're trying to convey with that word. Mm-hmm.
2: So one of the things you talk about um, is that in an exuberant state that mm-hmm. it's not just about being happy, but it's about right. being curious.
0: Absolutely.
2: And, uh, really, um, I've, I've experienced this with you. Um, I have experienced your complete presence. Mm-hmm. And when, when I'm in front of you, I have a sense that um, we are the only two people in the room, even though there are mm-hmm. hundreds of people around us. Mm-hmm. And. You don't have that experience with everyone. You know, often when there are lots of opportunities to network, which in the situations that we have been in, there certainly are, you often are in a conversation with someone and they are constantly looking over your shoulder, right, to see, to make mm-hmm. sure, to see who they're missing, right? Mm-hmm. And it is inter- it is very interesting to me um, that in conversation with you, though there are many people who want your time, and many people who um, want, that I'm sure you want to connect with also, you are completely present in that conversation. You are completely present to those moments that we are standing in front of one another. And some of that shows up in being curious. Some of it shows up in listening. Some of it shows up in simply talking and speaking your story. Um, and, and I find that fascinating. Have you always been that way?
3: Hmm. You know, I find even today, thank you, first of all, for the for the compliment, because I really do take it as a compliment. Uh, I find it is a practice, you know, that uh, even today, I'm glad you experienced me that way, and I find I, I need to practice this every single day. And, and to me, one of the uh, enemies, if you will, of exuberance is being... Uh, distracted yeah. you know we, we we've we've honored multitasking for years as kind of the ultimate yeah. in productivity and, and and multitasking i I think now the you know the pendulum's swinging back a bit and people are talking a whole lot more about focus yeah. but but we live in a hyper active mm-hmm. world um, our ability now to connect with everything you know connect with all knowledge through Google connect with all people through social media um, I think the first burst out of the gate with that was to scatter us even more and yeah. ironically ironically weaken our our deep connection with each other so so uh, no I haven't always been that way uh, although I must say um, for you know as long as i 've been coaching one, and that 's you know that 's almost that's twenty some years now. One of the things I love about coaching is creating that kind of you know intimate up close and yeah. personal yeah. nobody else in the room, you know no yeah. distraction relationship yeah. with somebody yeah. And, yeah. and and just as you acknowledge in me what I get from my clients much of the time is boy, I just don't get that anywhere, you know. I've got people coming at me all the time. I'm trying to, you know, uh, do a hundred things at once. Um, Just the, 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 you know, it's even a sacred space to be able to have that kind of uh, presence with someone and presence in terms of being able to reflect so i those two are very much together, you know exuberance is not this kind of spilling out all over the place it It's mm. very much it's very much you know as uh Tolle would say being in the now, yeah, because it's not just the distractions around us presently it's it's how much people are distracted by trying to redo yesterday if only i had done this if only i had thought oh. that if you know we we oh. endlessly rewind the tape that's already happened folks sorry or <laughs> worrying about tomorrow you know uh. so you you, you if, when you're living in yesterday and living in tomorrow it's very hard to you know be with the person in front of you but what very- i found to be a real benefit is when i'm with the person in front of you me like you right now i don't worry about anything you know, yeah. I'm the worries disappear, the regrets disappear, and the exuberance comes back. Mm. So I tell you know people want to access exuberance. I say, hey, it's a natural state. If mm. you, you know, first step, if you simply breathe, become present to the current moment.
2: Mm. Well, you know, I, I I love that you say that because it really is about. If I don't worry about what's happening with the business or if I don't worry what's happening with, you know, the kids back home or if I don't worry about whether I'm going to get to the grocery store or not, um, then I'm not worried because in this very moment, and, you know, unless right. somebody is attacking me, I'm not worried. <laughs> you know? right. 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 And, and so, so yeah. how, how do we help people do this, I'm fascinated by this whole process. You know, you reached this point where you really wanted to help people be this after a health crisis, after a health crisis, right? And I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time that when people have some sort of either emotional, mental, or health crisis, um, they suddenly turn and say, oh, you know, now I know what's important. Oftentimes, often, this has been after years of being wildly successful because of a lot of intense focus on business or their whatever it was that was their passion, um, intense hours, intense often not paying attention to things like family and friends, etc. cetera, um, oh. focus on the bottom line, focus on expanding markets, a lot of those things, right? And then mm-hmm. those people who have been very successful, who have a reputation, who have earned their money, then say, oh, well, now let me tell you what's really important. So don't do what I did. Don't do what I did to get successful. Do this. Mm-hmm. And and you both mm-hmm. Will they be successful? I mean how
3: does mm-hmm. how does this work? Well it's, that that's really that that's a great question and, and a in a complex one. Uh I, I think I, I think first of all, um and, and I did this too. I was type A achievement oriented, drive for results. Um and uh you know, it was kind of a it, it was kind of an outside in way of uh deciding who to be in other words look around me boy all the successful people seem to be working really hard you know look around me um everybody i know is you know going 60 miles an hour and handling lots of stuff and and putting in lots of hours and willing to sacrifice themselves uh i guess that's the way you do it and uh okay I'm in. Play the mm-hmm. game, and 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 it's and it has a you know it has a very uh, uh, high payback in terms of serotonin. You know, I, mean, right, I right. know I know you've had guests on your show that talk about brain chemistry and things like that. Uh, I mean, you, you know, when you're when you're in that kind of. Uh, uh, life as a video game always trying to reach the next level uh you know there's a lot of these just quick hits uh, yeah. uh of reward right. um, and 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 then it just becomes the norm it, 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 so what i found and it's common with people with a with a health crisis for me it was a stage 3 cancer was it, it's it's like driving down the road and bam you know somebody slams on the brakes and all of a sudden oh. You're awake to what's going yeah. on. Um, I I was in you know I was in a groove and uh, you know almost on autopilot and mm. so so part of the I think the common thing a health crisis is number one it just stops you and then I found that it changed two things it changed my relationship to time. Like all of a sudden, I realized i mean I knew this you know in my head, but I realize now in my bones that i don 't have forever. Mm-hmm. in fact, I may have a very short time left on this planet, and that just it 's a great sorting mechanism you know yeah. for for okay if i you know it 's like a uh, it 's like a software developer. Having, having to deal with limited memory, the program, into you get real creative and you really decide what to keep and what to throw out uh, be, because you don't have room for it all. And a little bit, you know, that's what went on with me. And then, and then secondly, you, you know, it was also just a relationship to um, what was important. Um, so what do I really care about, you know, at the end of the day? And a little mechanism I used with myself was, you know, if I'm, if I'm truly, you know, sometime down the road, you you, you know, even in the health crisis, I had some time, I mean, even down the road, looking back, and my goal is to have no regrets.
2: You know, what is
3: it that, how would I reorder, you know, what I do and where I spend my time? And, And one of the things that I've been told that, you know, there's there's two major re- regrets that people have at the end of life, and, and I, I get this from, you know, people, friends of mine that are in, that work with hospice, and, and one regret, it's the biggest regret in life is never having really lived, hmm. and, and, and they, they also say they don't have anybody who usually, or that comes to mind that regrets It's never having really lived, and the second regret is never having really loved mm. or or received love. And I thought, man, you know, I, I've I've been given such gifts in my life mm-hmm. in terms of of uh, love and you know opportunity to live that from this point on, I, I'm going to do things that that bring me fully to life, that bring me fully alive. And if you pay attention, it's really easy to figure out what brings you alive and what brings you down, you know, what, what turns up your light and what, what dims your light. Um, and so the practice of living in the present, the practice of, of really fully living my life, a lot of times just comes down to that instant, gut feel I have, like, is this relationship lighting me up? Is this piece of work bringing me down? You know, and, and, and life is like sailing. You're you're constantly navigating as the weather changes around you. And uh, this is available to everybody. It's just we talk ourselves into, uh, well, we, we can't really afford that now. You know, we have to... Uh, we, you know, we we talk ourselves into the fact that we don't have choice, yeah. and and I'd say fundamentally, Cheryl, the fundamental choice we all have is what we pay attention to,
2: hmm.
3: where we put our attention, and um, so that's 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 what I try to try to stay tuned to every day is is this where I want to put my attention.
2: So we're going to talk about that more when we come back from this break about what does it mean to really live and what if where I want to put my attention and where I think that gives me life is working 90 hours a week to get my business going. We'll be right back.
1: consulting developing leaders worldwide
4: workplaces are only as strong as their teams teams are only as strong as their individual members are you seeking a better way to take your business to a higher level we're here to help Listen for Leading with Social Emotional Intelligence, Building Trust through Intentionality and Vulnerability with host Glenn Harris. Together, we'll explore the five key behaviors of a cohesive team and other concepts designed to keep your team working smarter. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Five seven nine zero. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with my very special guest, Don Ardows. So, Don, we were talking about what brings you alive. And mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about that. You know, when people say that they they want to really live. Mm-hmm. Or at the end of their life, they say one of their regrets is never having "quote" really lived, and we translate that into, you know, they don't say, "gee, I wish I would have worked more." Um, is that really what they mean? What do they mean by "live"?
3: Well, I I I, I can tell you what I mean by "live," and also the people uh, in in terms of we, I've been I've been. I'm writing a book now, Cheryl, on exuberance, and, and the subtitle is "How You Live Is How You Lead." So I've been digging into this with, you know, with, with other people, and I, I can I can also share some of what they're telling me. That'd be great. So, so one of the aspects of of, of really, really having lived is um, relationships, connection. So mm-hmm. part of part of really living is nourishing and being nourished by important relationships in your life. And, mm-hmm. and, and when people look back and, and tell stories even, uh, or even, even in the present moment, you know, uh, reflecting on, on life and tell stories, inevitably those stories have to do with relationships. Mm. Now, if we if we think of our music, if we think of, you know, great works of art, uh, yeah. many of them have to do with, you know, really um, significant relationships that mm. the, arti- the artist was either, uh, um, you know, focused on or was experiencing himself or herself. So right. paying attention to your relationships, um, taking the time to... And be nourished, give and receive in relationships is a key part of living. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. another part that's certainly talked about, and um, you know, Rick Warren sold a lot of books on the purpose-driven life is is right. living living on purpose. You know, having a purpose mm-hmm. bigger than survival. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, what what where can you really create meaning? And to me, purpose starts with. You know, what do you care about? And then how do you go about taking care of what you care about? Mm-hmm. And we can, we, can, we can actually forget what we truly care about because we're so busy just reacting. Um, right. And, and responding to, you know, the pressures of the moment or the agendas yeah. of other people. And uh, so getting back to, boy, what... And this is, again, when I tell my story, uh, with, uh, you know, the time with cancer was to stop me in my tracks and say, hey... What do you really care about? You know, what do you what do you really want to put your attention on? And then the, the third, which I think gets right at your question, is um how how in, in living how well are we taking care of ourselves? And I I've, I've seen people, good friends of mine, who are dedicated to just noble purposes. Absolutely wasting themselves. Yeah. wasting in the yeah. sense of sacrificing themselves, not getting yeah. enough sleep, not eating right, not even taking mm-hmm. care of their important relationships. So, yeah. um, I I think you know exuberance includes self care, and self care mm-hmm. is you know how do I how do I actually take care of my health, well being, my vitality, my my gifts, um, mm-hmm. so that you know, my vital signs are um, are going to enable me to um, take care of my purpose for a good long time.
2: Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. Mm. You know, I think that, that the message there is so critical, and I, I think that we don't, as a society, especially in the Western world, um, we do not support this whole idea of not expending all of our energy, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that if we have it, we're supposed to use it. It's almost like being a consumer society. So, consuming right. all of our energy right. Um, right. because it's there. And right. And, you know, I I see this I often when I walk into organizations, especially large corporate organizations, and I I walk down the halls and I sometimes have the experience of um, meeting a lot of what I call the walking dead, you know, going down the halls, people who are consumed with their work, who are overworked, who don't necessarily have a lot of excitement about their work anymore, yeah. um, or yeah. even as young people are kind of wondering, what am I doing here? This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's almost as if the organization um, has not only said, you know, leave yourself at the door, don't, don't come to work with your whole self, yeah. but also um, it's almost like there's no soul, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and so you know, I just thought right now. If the Supreme Court says that organizations
3: are people, too, then they better get a soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no. a good one. That's a good right. one. Okay. No. That's right. Let's, let's, let's issue the second part of the ruling. That's Absolutely.
2: Right. Yeah. That's right. well, well, you know, I,
3: I've, I've been noticing the the new marketing campaign for Southwest Airlines, and uh, it's, it's with a heart. You know, like yeah. the heart of I heart mm-hmm. New York only right. and, and, and their their campaign is something like without a heart it's just a machine yeah and and they're talking about you know the you know putting the heart or keeping the heart in their relationship with their customers, and I thought, well, that's yeah. cool, that is really yeah. cool and 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 the doing of it is is another matter there there's um there's a a fellow that I greatly admire who I've interviewed for my book by the name of Richard Sheridan who has a software development company in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Menlo Innovations after yeah. Menlo, Menlo Park, uh, Thomas Edison. But uh, he's written a book that's out now called uh, Joy, Inc. Joy, Inc. And he's basically designed his entire company. They've been in business for over 10 years, I think longer, uh, around the principle of joy yeah. in the workplace. And his productivity is through the roof. Yes. And, and he limits people to 40 hours a week, and there's no email at night or on weekends except in emergency situations. Oh. Um, and, 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 and there's penalties to be paid if you're caught working <laughs> on the weekend, it, because, he says, that's the time for you to be with your family. That's the time for you to be in your community. That's the time for you to be recharging your batteries. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just an amazing practical example of, you know, productivity, so-called getting things done, is not in a zero-sum game mm-hmm. with, with exuberance, with joy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we, we've held it that way. You know, we've held it that way that yeah. um, somehow taking care of yourself in that way gets in the way, you know, and in and, and that's your personal life. You know, that's separate. You work right. hard and then you go home and take care of yourself, you know, on the weekends, right. whatever. And right. Uh, right. that that's just you know, we're we're the same person. Um, yeah. in in all the places that we show up. And uh, right. you know, any any uh uh, any marathon runner, any champion athlete that you know is looking for a career uh, in their in their sport, master in the craft, knows that you know taking care of me, you know I'm the instrument of my
2: yeah. Yeah. of
3: my uh, sport, you know is 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 foremost, and uh, I think we're beginning so... to pay attention to that.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and as I hear you say that, it makes me wonder. Um, Organizations are... Many organizations are multinational. Um, They have... They are part of teams that are located in different countries around the world. The time changes are challenging. Um, The sometimes being completely present in a conversation is... Challenging as the translation of different languages is processing in the brain. Um, you know, it's it's a very different world. Um, and, you know, Richard Sheraton, I, I love his concept and I, I love what he's doing. And, you know, he, it would be hard, he, people would be hard pressed to apply that completely. To large multinational corporations, you know, if right. you said, right. "Don't answer emails," you know, after your dinner time, um, you know, well, your dinner time is maybe your team partner's morning, and yeah. they're sitting in the office and they need an answer. So, so how do you reconcile this? What what mm-hmm. can people do about this?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what I've. Ooh. Where I've chosen to put my energy, Cheryl, and, and 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 like you, I really respect what Richard Sheridan's done in terms of, you know, structure and process and and roles and and rules, and, and you know, he, he's taken on the whole shape of his organization. Uh, I, I I'm focusing. I I'm I'm working to inspire and and empower. You know, individual leaders, no matter what kind of organization they work for, right? And I'm saying, fundamentally, you still have choice in, in where you put your attention and how you how you organize your life. Mm-hmm. And you may feel really pressured and constrained and and you know pushed uh, around those choices, but um, the first choice you have is is actually your mood itself that you know uh, we we you know uh, and, and people people will debate this with with me they'll they'll say things like well uh, you know it, it's really my personality you know i i'm 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 wired a certain way well we know we know now with plasticity of the brain we know we <laughs> we got plenty of research that says you know how, how you were shaped at, at a certain age does not condemn you to that for the rest of your life. What? You know, you, you, you know, and, and so, so there goes that one, you know, and then the second one is, well, you know, circumstances, what can I do about circumstances? And, 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 and I say, well, you, you uh, I, I'm with you. you. You can't predict or control circumstances to any appreciable degree. You know, the world is full of surprises and some of them are black swans and, uh, what you can control is who you are in the face of those circumstances. You know, it's, 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 it's obvious that, you know, a disaster to one person is an opportunity to the entrepreneur right next to that person. So, uh, how you, how you respond to circumstances is also, you know, under your control. So you can choose your mood. And then as a leader, your mood has this huge ripple effect, especially in this hyper-connected world. You described yeah. this, you know, global, everybody's connected across uh, countries. Uh, across, you know, the mood of the leader just radiates and, and impacts everybody. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so you don't get to choose. It. I mean, you don't get to yeah. opt out, I say, as a leader in the fact that you can choose. So, So what mood do you want to choose? You know, do you want to choose the mood that brings everybody down, uh, or do you want to choose the mood that lifts everybody up, including yourself? Well, that's pretty obvious, too. Yeah. So then it really comes down to, okay, and maybe this is the heart of your question, well, how do, how do I do that? You know, in the face of 200 emails a day, and, the, and, and headquarters is demanding these reports right at the time that, you know, all these uh, conflicting demands, and... um I think, you know, as I look at my own clients and, and what they find, uh, they, they have various uh, rituals, routines, practices, all based in the fact that you know I'm going to stay in charge of, of my own attitude, energy, and I'm going to I'm going to um, do what it takes to to retain that. So, I've got some people that. You know, it's it's an exercise routine. Routine. Others combine that with a, a meditation routine. Others combine that in terms of tactically, you know, how they manage uh, things like email and you know which is everybody else's priorities, trying to force uh, their w- it, it's their way on you. Um, People do things, you know, I have one fellow, it's very important to him that he have a digital detox every now and then, and uh, he takes a day a week and he's just unplugged, and then he takes a week, a quarter, that he is out somewhere in nature, and he goes where cell phones don't go, you know, that kind of thing. And so everybody develops, you know, once you're committed to this, you, you develop the tactics that... That will support you. The good news is the people I'm working with end up with superior results. Mm. So they don't get pressure around uh, you're not getting your job done. They're, they're finding that uh, it works even better. And I have one quick little ending to this. Um, I, I, I have one client who runs uh, for his company um, all of Southeast Asia and India. And he is just, you know, he has just found this, you know, start with my mood as as as, as a life and work changer uh, at work, and and his 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 whole region uh, when when he's been practicing this, the, the results have have been dramatic to the upside. But what I really wanted to share with you is about a month ago, his wife called me from India, and she said there's something I don't think you know that I want you to know, which is you have, in helping my husband, you know, shift his mood, you've changed the life of our entire family. Yeah. You've changed our marriage. You've changed yeah. our relationship with our son. And yeah. I just want to thank you. And I thought, yeah. oh, my God, that is so precious. Yeah, yeah.
2: I know. that That is um, one of the... One of the side benefits of uh, involving yourself in personal change is that uh, whether you're changing your leadership or you are uh, changing a habit is going to ripple out to affect all the people in your life and uh, yeah, I, I, I hear this a lot. <laughs> So we're going to come right back and talk more with Don. Um, When we come back, Don, I want us to focus even more on um, this whole concept of experience.
3: We'll be right back. Yes.
4: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: in real estate stocks annuities and other investment vehicles that's the money answer show with jordan goodman on the voice america business channel every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time
0: tune in to the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts ron baker and ed class ron and ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital it's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome
2: back, everybody. This is Cheryl Espito on Leading Conversations, and today we are talking with Don Arnoutz, and we are talking about the Exuberance Project. So, Don, we only have a few minutes left in our show today, and I'm wondering what is um, what is one thing that people can do to begin moving toward exuberance, even if they don't know how to embrace
3: exuberance? What can we do? Mm, that's a great question. And, and let me, I, I want to just preface that with, with one statement that I fully believe, which is, Everybody, everybody is a leader in in, in, in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You're a mom and dad. You're a leader in your household. You're a teacher. You're a leader in your classroom. You're a health care worker. You're a leader in a setting where, where people need care. So I'm not just talking to people that have that in their titles. Um, I, I'm, when I say how you live is how you lead. Right. Um, so... Uh, wherever you are you know in in your life, whatever roles you play you play, you know somebody's counting on you for something and and you can lead or not in that role. so what is something they can do i i think I think the first thing is to appreciate this this may seem like boy, I need to find some some part in my life where I've got enough time to take this on because boy, this sounds like a really big you know. Program. No, it's actually every day. Your day is full of choices from the moment you get up and decide, you know, how 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 am I going to greet the day this morning, until you know the last minute before you close your eyes and go to sleep. And you're only one choice away from being on the right path to exuberance. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is. You know, you you, you, you you get up in the morning and, and and you head off to work and and the first person you meet that day, you have a choice of how you greet that person. Do you greet that person with a smile and and, and, and actually meet their eyes and mean it when you say, How are you doing and you wait a moment to find out or do you just brush past them because, you know, you gotta get your busy day started. Mm-hmm. And and on and on throughout your day you're you're you, you, you get another chance and you get another chance and you get another chance. You know, it's time for lunch. Do you just yeah. simply gulp something down at your desk and keep charging away or do you give yourself a half an hour to stop the action to you know savor your food and, 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 and be healthy? Um, yeah. on and on. So so that's what I say is, you know, just number one. Just be conscious of your choices, choice after choice.
2: I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, and I I think that what you said earlier about you can't control circumstances, but you can control who you are in the face of those circumstances, Um, you know, because I think there could be... A, a temptation by people to say, well, yeah, easy for you to say that every moment is a choice, but when my boss is, you know, saying the deadline is yesterday and mm-hmm. you have to finish this now, um, you know, how do I fight back? And without just completely collapsing and, you know, mm-hmm.
0: resenting
2: what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that that concept of um, really believing, well, I am in choice. Even if I'm uh-huh. choosing at this moment to, okay, today I will work through lunch in order to get this done. And the choice that I make either in the evening or tomorrow can be different from that in order to really take care of myself, and so I think making it conscious,
3: you know, what you're
2: saying about making it
3: conscious, right? Well, and I love the example you gave, because that's, that's, that's got to be an example a lot of people experience, right? So, sure. so, so maybe uh, the, the choice is pretty forced on you in terms of, i got to get this done for my boss. But then right after that, you have a choice of, well, with what mood am I going to get this done? Right. Because exactly. if I'm going to resent it and, and, and be cursing under my breath and, and, you know, playing voodoo dolls with my <laughs> boss, you know, as I get right. it done, it's going to be excruciating and draining and exhausting, and, and, and it's probably not going to be very good quality. Or uh-huh. you can say, you know what, I wanted to go to my kid's game rather than get this done tonight, but... There's no way, so I'm going to get it done, and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to uh, let it bring me down. I'm going to do the, you know, you you choose how you go at it. Okay. Uh, you know, much of you know, we don't we don't get to choose many times the hand we're dealt, but we get to choose how we play that hand, and. Okay. Uh, People that are exuberant, uh, you know, I don't think their circumstances are any better than anybody else's. In many cases, um, there's certainly extremes, you know, that people are faced with on one end or the other. But it's, but there's big variation in, in how people go about it. There's there's one other thing that I've noticed, Cheryl. I want to just add here in a few minutes is the um, the thing I've noticed with what who I call exuberant. People is comfort is not the goal. Mm. There's a there's a lot in what we're marketed, particularly as you get older. It's all about getting comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you buy insurance so that you don't have to worry. Uh, you know, it's all yeah. about a, a comfortable retirement. As you get mm-hmm. older, people keep asking. You know, I hate this. People ask, "Are you comfortable?" It's really bad <laughs> when they say. When, it's really bad when they say, "Are you comfortable, sweetie?" <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: to which I, to which I say, call me Mister Sweetie, please. But, uh, no, you don't learn anything in your comfort zone. You already know that stuff. So part of being exuberant is, in fact, stepping out beyond your comfort zone.
2: Yeah.
3: And yeah. and 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 that's a choice too that you get offered again and again. Are you going to play it safe? Are Are you going to you know push yourself are you going to take a risk are you going to try something different are you going to surprise right. yourself
2: you And surprise
3: it's yourself? so love enlivening that. it's so enlivening to I you know have it. at least one foot out of the zone
2: i love it so don people are going to want to know a lot more about this i know that so how can they contact you
3: so the website is exuberanceproject.com all one word project. And if they want to reach directly to me on email, it's don at arnouds, A R N O U D S E dot com.
2: Great. Don, it's been such a fun time having you here. I love it. And I I love that you have, you know, taken a stand and said, you know, we can be this in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I. I am so looking forward to your book, and when you have it completed and out, let's uh, have you back so you can talk more about what you've learned. I know you are an ongoing learner, and you will have a lot more to tell us about this. So thanks for being here today, Don.
3: You're welcome, Cheryl. My, my pleasure all the way.
2: Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Estevito.